Hello and welcome to the Evolvepreneur Secret Show for Entrepreneurs, and I'm your host, Brian Silverthorne. My mission is to help entrepreneurs make the difference they want to make and uh, navigate the sometimes messy world of startup growth or relaunch. And today we're going to dig deep with our guest and get the best uh, concepts and strategies to help fast track your business. And our special guest today is Jim Irving. Jim, welcome to the show. It's great to be with you, Brian. Good to have you here. And, uh, you know, I took a look at your bio and it's a pretty extensive and pretty impressive. So rather than me wandering through it, why don't you start by giving us your origin story, uh, the experiences in your life that got you to where you are right now? Yeah, sure. Very quickly, because it's a long story. <laughs> I, uh, this is my 46th year in the technology space. Wow. Uh, I left school without a degree, got a job in an office, didn't like it, went for an interview and thought I would try selling. As so many people do, fell into it. Um, and it was a tech company, a, bit, a big organization in Europe called Olivetti, Italian. Um, and they did a wonderful thing. They put me on a six-week training course before they let me loose in the business world. So sure. got all of that. And, and then I spent a very happy corporate career for 30 years working up um, mainframes, very large corporations, and ended up in two particular roles. In one, I was the number two for Europe, Africa, and the Middle East for a big American corporation called Silicon Graphics. <coughs> Pardon me. Um, and that was looking at partnerships and channels and routes to market and all of that sort of stuff. And so my business was measured in multiple hundreds of millions. Um, and then I became the UK managing director for one of the world's biggest software companies. I'd done my 30 years and I thought, you know what, that's enough. Yep. So I stepped out and then completely reversed. And it's the traditional story. Sat in my kitchen with my laptop and thought, what am I going to do? And decided that what I wanted to do was to help startups to scale faster. And I did that by reaching out locally. Uh, I'm Scottish, although I now live in Northern Ireland. So in the city of Edinburgh, I went to the venture capital community and said, it's quite funny, I was very naive. I said to them, do any of your clients, the people that you've invested in, have problems with sales and revenue? And of course, after they'd stopped laughing, they said, oh, only about 100%. <laughs> so I said, well, here's my background. And they said, well, why don't... So I then started to audit, help, support companies. Uh, 15 years ago, I moved to Northern Ireland, did the same thing again. And in fact, was dropped into a couple of startups that weren't going too well to try and turn around and accelerate. So I've now worked with about 40 startups in Northern Ireland in all marketplaces, uh, mostly with a sort of tech background. But um, yeah, yeah. So, 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 and the work that I do revolves around helping people understand, scale, what are their routes to the marketplace? How are they going to go forward? What are the things that are holding them back? So, of course, I've been doing this for, for 15 years now. And when I saw the podcast, I thought, my goodness, that would be a good conversation because all I've done is live helping entrepreneurs in that space for a solid 15 years now. Yeah. yeah. Wow. 
Okay, that's that's quite a journey. So, uh, what what do you, what would you say is your kind of ideal client now, and and how do you attract them to you? Um, well, the great news for me, and I know not a lot of people are in that scenario, but most of my work now comes from word of mouth. Northern Ireland's small. There, there's only 1.9 million people here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I get phone calls from people saying, oh, two of my business colleagues mentioned that you were the person to come to. So I, I have those sorts of conversations. Um, but what I'm looking for is an organization that has something, a new idea, a new concept, a new principle, an approach something which is out of the ordinary. But typically when people do that, and you must have seen this, Brian, you get people who've come out of the academic world, people who've come out of the finance world, and they go, great, we'll do this. And they've got an idea for something. And then, of course, they hit the fact that there is no business unless you've got sales, and sales don't matter until you've collected the cash and all of those other business fundamentals, and that's where maybe they've got no experience. And I always find it interesting that you wouldn't go into engineering and say, oh, I'll have a pop at this. I think I can do this. You wouldn't set yourself up as a plumber, and when you go to the first place, say, well, I've never done this, but I'm sure it's going to work out all right. Right. But when it comes to sales and building a business, people hope that they've got an aptitude. And some people do. But most people need support and help to get that skill set and to build forward. So, so I work on company strategy, uh, go-to-market, sales strategy, sales skills, those sorts of things. And I do more mentoring than training. Okay. But, but I'm living inside multiple startup ecosystems. So I'm just watching and learning from what's sort of going on in, in the Western world and the communities that they're selling to. All right, great. Well, that you know that tells me a little bit about uh, your ideal client. The, the the organization was something unique that needs help in sales. Uh, and yeah. and how how do you attract them? Do you have some sort of a marketing platform that you use or method or? Um, I know you mentioned word of mouth, but uh, yes, yes, you do. So I I have a website, and but the thing that I found most useful for me is using LinkedIn professionally. Okay. I, I'm not one of these people that aims to have, you know, 42,000 followers or anything like that. I have contacts who live in my world and who have an interest or a conversation. And so I'm, yeah, I'm at about 1,200 or something. But all of those are people that, that live in this world, in this community. And so I've been very careful with that. I, I've seen a lot of people crash and burn by trying to sell everything to everyone. And I think there's a great danger with that approach, no matter what it is you're doing. Even, you know, as you go to your startup, who's going to buy it? Oh, we'll find somebody. Define a marketplace, define a space, define a vertical or a geography, and then commit yourself to that. So so that's what I've done for myself in LinkedIn, and that's been really successful for me. Um, yeah. uh, the other route to market that I've got that not many people have is that I wrote, first of all, one book, and then a second, both of which won awards, and now a third. And I get a lot of contact from around the world from people saying, oh, read your book, really interested in your approach. Can we do something together? So that's something else that's been an unusual route to market for me, but it's worked very, very well. Great, great. Well, that that pops two questions into my head. So I'll 
I'll ask them one at a time here. Yes, one at a size better. Yep. <laughs> I guess the the first one is um, you know you you've got a you've got a great plan and a strategy using LinkedIn and 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 being involved in in specific niches because uh, it yes. helps people to understand and accept the fact that you can be an expert in that in that particular yes. niche and then who knows what will open up to you once the doors are open. But what, what do you consider right at the moment your biggest challenge to, to pick a new business? For me, and I think for a lot of people, it's getting that first contact and interest. Because of my experience and because of the sort of proof of what I've done, it's not really so difficult for me once I'm engaged in a conversation. But I, I don't know what you're finding, Brian, but you know the business world has changed since the pandemic. And a lot of people have a very short period of time. They want to know where the value is. They want to understand. And so it's getting past that first hurdle into a conversation that I find the biggest challenge. Once I'm over that, it's usually okay. Yeah, I, I understand what, you, what you're saying. And to, to me, and I, you know, I may be wrong, but that's kind of the difference between marketing and sales. Yes. You know, mar marketing attracts the people. Yes. To you and hopefully they're well-defined people based yeah. on the specifics of your marketing program. Then it's up to you to to turn them in, turn them from a prospect into a client. Yes. Uh, and and the marketing methods are, I mean, they're the same, but they have also radically changed. Yes. Over over the years here, so yeah. Uh, so yeah. getting getting the first contact through some sort of of marketing is probably the challenge of everybody in a, in a coaching or consulting role. Yes. And, and do you know what? I, so many years ago, I've forgotten where it was, but somebody once said to me, do you know, marketing is persuading people and it's going from you from one to many. Mm -hmm. As soon as it crosses over into one-on-one, -on -one, that sales. Ah, that's I've I've not heard that particular. I, it's such a simple definition, and you're right. Marketing's putting it out there and online and doing this and doing that and trying to build, and then the conversation starts with a person or with right. an organization. Right, and that's the flip point. And by the way, I've had startups that I've helped who've come out of academia, whose first question to me has been, "Is there a difference between marketing and sales?" Huh? Yeah. And it's like, wow, well, we've got a little path to go down here. Yeah, because because there's an enormous one. But but you're right. And people, so so here's what I've learned over the last couple of years. Um, people in all sizes of business have been feeling that pressure. Those they're trying to sell to have got more concerns, more worries, and are giving less time to salespeople. So the solution, I, I'm sure you've you've come across this and you've had calls, is to take this merged approach of using an SDR up front. Someone who is a telephone-based or online-based, 100 calls a day type person, battering through the marketplace, trying to get something. And once they've got a hook, they don't do anything. They pass it on to whoever the salesperson is. And I've seen a lot of people talking about that as being a more efficient way to go. And a lot of my clients ask, is that the first sales head that I should take on? My answer is no. And it's no for two reasons. If you're selling something that's very cheap and you're selling something that's very easily defined and applies to most companies that you're going to sell to, 
then that approach of 100 calls a day without any research is probably valid. But the vast majority of people that I'm dealing with have got an idea and a concept that it's going to go to corporates or whatever. And they don't like that sort of approach. They don't like people that don't know their business. They don't like people that don't live in their marketplace. They want to engage with someone and then build up a relationship. And so I reached out a few months ago to four ex-colleagues who are procurement uh, VPs. Mm -hmm. And they all said that their people hate that. You know, the, hello, Brian, how are you today? And the person at the other end is going, oh, it's another one of them. Yeah, no. They want the person that says, hi, Brian, I know we've not spoken before, but I was reading in California Today tech section that you are, you are looking to do A, B, and C. And it's funny, but we've been working in that space. Oh, and then you have a human conversation. Right. Yeah. Right. And so I see the marketplace is going in two ways. There's this drive for efficiency, and especially when entrepreneurs want to take on their first sales head. It's a big test, a big question. And they're going on saying, yeah, we need to get someone that's going to give us 100 calls a day. I think, no, stop and step back. If you're looking at something which is complex, that's a route to a lot of money out and not a lot of business in. Yeah, well, I, I, I'm guessing it starts by defining the ideal client. Absolutely. And yeah, something yeah. what they call who is your your minimum minimum viable viable customer, you know. Yes, yeah, so, yeah. You've got your minimal viable product for the minimum viable customer. And right. and that's you know, if somebody said to me, of all those startups that you've worked with and all of the work that you've done, what's the single most common thing? It's that we've done it, we've set up our website. And now if anybody comes, we'll speak to them, we'll call out and we'll get anybody we can. And then, of course, you've got a hundred hairs running in, a different, in different directions into different marketplaces, each marketplace with its own needs, and you're out of control. And you're out of control very quickly. And if you're a small startup, you know, two, five, 10, 20 people, and you get three of those at the same time in very different sectors with very different needs, your company is going to grind to a halt while you try to, to manage them. So that's the biggest fault that I see people saying, right, we're there, someone's going to go with us, and then we'll figure out our strategy. No. What, what does your solution do? How does it help people? What is the single group of people it's going to help most? And literally ignore the rest of the marketplace until you've got going on that and things are working and things are developing for you. Right, right. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, there, I, I totally agree with you. And I, I've seen there's a lot of uh, interesting formats out there now that that uh, even digitally can can help you get to that ideal client in a, yes. in a non-threatening, non-intrusive way yes. to yes. see if indeed they're interested to, to take things to the next step. So yeah. that's that's very important. So the, the other question I wanted to ask you, you got three books. How, how did you get them sold? What, what did you do to um, happen? I, yeah, I, t I have to tell you that I thought technology was a big industry until as an individual, I came up against the public publishing industry. Good <laughs> grief. Well, that was an education. Yeah. There were people wanting $10,000 to have a look at what I was doing. You know, and I'm going, well, so bottom line is I self-published, but I did what you might call a hybrid. 
I wrote the book myself. I have got, I'm incredibly lucky. My son-in-law is an award-winning graphic designer. So he did the layout and the structure, and it looks like it's come from a big publisher. Okay. Um, but then, then I found a couple of organizations who aggregate. They take your book. Uh, one does ebook and physical book, and they put it into Amazon and the ebooks into Apple and Google and Barnes and Noble and everybody else, and they take away that admin. But I still control. And the other one does the same for audiobooks. So although it's a one-man operation and I've done everything myself, my books are available worldwide on all of those platforms. So it's, it's, it's been an interesting experience. And, and the first book was, so many people have said over the years, why don't you write a book about your business experience? So I wrote the first one. That's it there, if you can see it. Mm-hmm. The B2B Selling Guidebook. But the good news is, a year after it came out, that happened. And it's uh, an award from... Book Authority. You know when you buy Time magazine or you buy one of the big US papers, they'll have the the 10 best business books of the year. Book Authority are the independent people who do that. Yeah. And I didn't know, but a year after I launched, I got an email saying, oh, I was one of the best books on sales in the world for 2021. And I was like, oh, very good. And all it was was my experiences with as much emphasis on what went catastrophically wrong as what went well. And people seem to like that and to laugh along with me as I look back. Um, And I realized I'd then just covered half of my career. So I thought I better do another one. And that's this one, the B2B Leaders Guidebook. And that's specifically for entrepreneurs or others who are trying to build a high performance um, company or business or division or whatever it is that they're doing. Um, And knock me down with a feather. This year, I won. Uh, I was one of five of the world's best audiobooks on the subject of business to business. So I've now got a nice sticker in this book. Wow! Um, you get those are a couple of nice feathers in your cap. Well, they? yeah, yeah. And then the third one I did, I did something quite radical, and this has helped me. And this is what I talked about when when I had a pre conversation. Um, I realized there was a community of people who were sort of worldwide thought leaders and experts on sales and building businesses. And I I had thought they'd all compete with each other, but guess what? They don't, they're a community. Yeah. So I went out to them and this is my book that came out in November, the B2B sales top tips guidebook. And I wrote another 10 chapters and then 26 people from around the world, several from the US and Canada, who are thought leaders in particular areas, each added in one chapter. Three or four pages on finding the right customer. Three or pages, three or four pages on how do you make the first contact, et cetera, et cetera. And so that book came out. So I'm sort of hoping that maybe that will get noticed and I'll end up with three that have won awards. <laughs> but, but so so, so I, I've gone out online, I've gone out to Amazon. And then I've used LinkedIn to let people know what's happening and to let let them know how the books are going, et cetera. Great. Well, even though you've got these nice awards, which is absolutely wonderful, have have any of your books become, I guess, what they'd call a bestseller? Uh, the first one has, the second one came close, and the third one is is building now. I'm, I'm selling more every single month. So okay. I'm hoping it will get there. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, but that, do you know what? I would say to anyone who's thinking of doing this, if you want to make a fortune, 
your first choice shouldn't be writing a book. Yeah. You know, it's the, the first book did well, and it took me probably a year and a half, two years, to break even and go into profit, even although I wasn't paying big publishers for whatever. Yeah. So, so it's yes, it's been an interesting experience, but it's been a great experience, and yeah, yeah, a, a learning for me. So, of course, now what I get is I get people who read the book contacting me on LinkedIn saying, read the book, can we talk about perhaps you doing some work with us? Oh, that's so, great. That's, so that's a really nice, simple way to, to get to the market. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, writing the book and getting it out there isn't simple at all. Once, <laughs> once it's there, it's a nice thing to have. Yes. Can I, can I tell you a funny story? My wife is from Northern Ireland, Irish, with a really sharp wit. And my books are all the B2B, the B2B selling guidebook, the B2B leader's guidebook. And I said to her when I was going to do the third one, I'm thinking of doing a third book. And she said, I've got the title already. And I thought, that's really quick. I said, what's that? She said, the B2B divorce guide book. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, oh, okay. Uh, anyway, I was given permission to write the third. But yes, writing a book is a stressful thing. It takes time and effort. And my goodness, it's hard. But when you, when you finally see it and it's yours and people are buying it, yeah, it's a nice feeling. Good. Good. Well, you know, one of my uh, the things that keep me getting up in the morning are, are, are three things. Have fun, help people and make money. Um, oh, snap. snap. Yeah. So uh, so un under that heading is are are you doing all of that you want? Are you having fun and making the money you want? And is there anything that could make it better, say, in the next year? Um, the one thing I would like to do more of, I've done a fair bit, but I'd like to do more of is helping people outside of the UK. I've worked for big American corporations. I've worked in the US a lot for a lot of years, but most of my clients are either in the UK or in Europe or Ireland. And I often do think I'd love to have more in North America. I've had half a dozen, but I'd love to have more. That would make me very happy yeah. um, because I know the American attitude. And I also know how hard it is for entrepreneurs just trying to get going. But to answer your question, Having a lot of fun, yes, I really get involved. And it's interesting, uh, out of my last five clients in the last year, four were in this space called ESG, Environmental Social Governance, yeah? Doing stuff to help uh, to help the planet, to help with uh, wind farm management, with this and that. And I find that's, that's, that's quite enjoyable. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm having fun. I am. My whole business is about helping small companies and startups, and particularly the entrepreneurs. You know, some of them say to me, I've been told, and they're right, that but hiring your first salesperson is the most important thing you'll do in your first two or three years of your startup. And the answer to that is yes. And it's so hard because salespeople, guess what? Might not be any good at selling, but they're really good at selling themselves. Right. Yeah. So if you so one of the one of the things I do most frequently now is a, is a, as a, the head of a startup will say, right, we've got a short list of five. Can you go through them all and interview them and help us and talk, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, oh so yeah. I do that. And making enough money. I I'm semi-retired. I work when I want and do what I want, but I'm having a lot of fun. And yes, the answer to that is yes. Yeah. 
Yeah. Good, good, good. Well, I think that's a good way to, to maybe finish things up here with one exception. Is is there any final thoughts that, that you have? Any questions that I didn't ask that you'd like to answer or anything you want to do to, to uh, uh, promote your business in any way? Yeah. Well, first of all, advice to everyone who's running a small company who or who's an entrepreneur. I have seen so many crash and burn because they do this overextend. We'll sell to everybody. We'll try and do everything. No. If your product does four things, choose the most important one, choose the most accessible marketplace, and literally tell people, no, we don't do that, and keep that focused. So that would be the, the piece of advice. Um, if people want to contact me, I'm on LinkedIn. I was very lucky. You know this whole thing where you're, you're connecting or you're trying to get a Google Mail account, and it's, it's your name, 1792 or whatever. I was on LinkedIn right at the beginning. So I am Jim Irving on LinkedIn. So that's oh, really nice. easy. Yeah. And you'll you'll find me very quickly. So 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 that's straightforward enough. And as I say, go and look on Amazon or Apple or Google or anywhere for the books and audiobooks. Um, it makes me really happy when people buy and then write and say how much they've enjoyed. Uh, that's the thing that, that makes me happy in life in terms of business, as well as seeing companies accelerate and go forward. Yeah. Excellent. Well, listen, it's been a, a great pleasure for me chatting with you, Jim, and learning a lot about your background and what you do. You certainly have, I don't care if you're semi-retired or not, you certainly have the enthusiasm of a young man and, and want to keep moving ahead. And that's that's the kind of thing that helps people get up every morning and enjoy life. So again, Absolutely. thank you so much for your time. Um, Elson, it's been a pleasure and I've loved the conversation, Brian. Thank you. Okay, thanks.